When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 17, and we're recording on January 12th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today's theme is small press sci-fi and fantasy. How's it going? It's good. I think you'd be sort of maybe proud of me because I'm actually, I just started tracking my books like I was whining about last time. I'm so proud. How are you? Are are you doing it in your bullet journal? I am. I'm doing three things because I'm like, I know that things don't last. When I start something, Mm. it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to follow through. So I'm Mm. trying three methods and hoping one (laughs) sticks. And so far, so good. One of them is I'm doing in my bullet journal, I'm basically making like a scrapbook for every book I read, which sort of- appeals to like the creative side of me and then I'm also doing a good I'm just like I'm not rating on Goodreads but Mm -hmm. I'm marking down when I started and finished a book Mm -hmm. and I'm using the spreadsheet that I believe uh one of our one of Book Riot's contributors I think it was Rachel Manuel yep created for us which is like sort of the most intensive part of my tracking process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I don't know (laughs) amazing amazing I'm so proud you'll be curious to hear which one ends up working the best for you I know I will update you for sure because I'm sure not all of them are going to stay with me the whole way through (laughs) Yeah. yeah I mean I only my three are sequential so like Right, I put it in my little notes file on my phone, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the month it goes in the bullet journal, and then may and like periodically I update the spreadsheet, and then at the end of the year, which I still have, I still haven't done my pie charts for 2017 yet. I'm behind. <laughs> I have I, it's it's on my list for this weekend. I thought you would have Our, jumped on those pie charts. I know somehow that last week of of December just got completely away from me. Oh no, like, I didn't I didn't accomplish hardly any of the things I thought I was gonna, which was fine but it just like nothing happened i understand um <laughs> yeah so well excellent i am i am excited for you thank you um yeah well so before we dive into our news which is like very screen related this week um i am going to tell you about our first sponsor which some of you will recognize because it is the conclusion to the Kingmaker Chronicles by Amanda Boucher, Heart on Fire, and I recommended the first book in this series for the listener question who wanted romanticy. Um, and so, or did I? Was that on Get Booked? I recommended it on a podcast. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it I was think you this did. One. I think I remember I'm pr- that. 
Yeah. And so if you'll remember, it follows a young woman named Kat who has been on the run for basically her whole life. She's got special powers. Everybody wants to use them. She does not want to be used. And the series takes place in this Greek mythology inspired world. But the tone is actually very contemporary, which makes for a really fun reading experience. Um, And in this third book, The Conclusion, uh, she has to become Queen of Thaleria. And so she and her husband, Griffin, are going to war against the super violent alpha of the Fisa clan, who also happens to be her homicidal mother. And then her magic refuses to work like it should. And so she like tries to make it happen and she misuses her gifts, which then lands her in Tartarus, which is the Greek, you know, land reserved for eternal punishment. And so now she has to go on a spiritual journey to accept herself if she wants any chance of making it out alive. So, yes, this is a fantasy slash romance series. There's a lot of really fun world building. There's great characters. There's some very steamy scenes in it because romance um, and it has all kinds of accolades it has um, it's one of the RT book reviews top picks it was included in the NPR best book of the year um, roundup Amazon's best book of the year Washington Post best best book of the month bustle best romance of the year Barnes and Noble bookseller picked and it has eight starred reviews so there is a lot of love for this series and this book so that is Heart on Fire by Amanda Boucher Uh, which is the conclusion to the Kingmaker Chronicles. Sounds fascinating. It's super fun. I need to, I'm glad that the third one is out because now I can just like tear through the rest of that series. Oh, that's that's always a good feeling. I'm very Mm -hmm. happy for you. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you. What do you want to talk about? Well, we have a lot of adaptation news, but I think me being me, I want to start with the butter beer from Starbucks (laughs) secret Harry Potter menu. (laughs) Fair, fair. Yes. So there are a lot of like secret menus at different places. I remember like everybody talked about in and out secret menu in LA. And this one is, I couldn't find any other bookish secret menu, but if you know of one, let me know. This one is a secret Harry Potter menu at Starbucks. So basically what you can get is you can get a butterbeer frappuccino or you can get a butterbeer latte. And the way you order these things is you don't, I don't know, it doesn't say that you can say, I want a butterbeer frappuccino, but it gives you the ingredients, like the add-ons you can add to an actual regular order. So this one for the butterbeer frappuccino, for instance, it says you can order a pumpkin juice, which is a pumpkin spice flavor plus apple juice over ice. And then you tell them to add in creme frappe plus caramel syrup plus toffee syrup with a drizzle of caramel. <laughs> okay, hold up. I, th- I read that differently. I read that as two separate orders, like that the pumpkin juice oh. was the pumpkin spice flavor plus apple juice and then the butterbeer frap was separate. Am okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'm just looking okay. at, I don't even know what these, <laughs> like this is the thing with me. I don't, I literally order every time an Americano. That's it. <laughs> that is it for my order at any coffee shop. So the idea of a pumpkin juice <laughs> Or a pumpkin spice flavor. Like, these are new things to me. So, yeah, you're right. It's a pumpkin juice. 
you can order is a pumpkin spice flavor plus apple juice over ice. And then the butter beer frappuccino is everything else. The add-ons are the creme frappe plus caramel syrup plus toffee syrup with a drizzle of caramel. So I almost considered just for – and now I'm glad I didn't because I would have given them a really confusing <laughs> order. I considered going into Starbucks and ordering this just so I could talk about it today. <laughs> And I just couldn't bring myself to because I was like, oh, so much. So much as I love Harry Potter and much as I love the idea of butterbeer, I don't think I can do this because I went to <laughs> the Wizarding World at Universal Studios and I got one of those, you know, contraptions that was like a butterbeer and then there was something like Dragon's Breath or something like that. And it was I mean, you can argue with me on this, but I did not like it. <laughs> oh, I I confess that I'm tempted. I'm tempted by the butterbeer latte, which is like basically a latte plus caramel syrup plus toffee syrup plus cinnamon dolce syrup with whipped cream <laughs> and salted caramel bits. And I was like, that almost sounds good to me, but that much sugar, I would just be a ruin for the rest of the day. Like, I am not. Like I, in my twenties, I could have drank that and like not batted an eye. But now that I am in my thirties, like <laughs> that is way too much sugar in one place for me. Like I, I just don't have the constitution for it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I... But, but it did, it, for my own like mental note, these are all sort of elements that I hadn't thought about combining before. So now I'm like, I could make like the wimp, the sugar wimp version of this. Like I could, <laughs> That's I a could. Good idea. So yeah. So I was like, what if I just like get asked for the bits that I want? Like I want a latte and I want the toffee syrup and I want like the whipped cream and the salted caramel. Like what about if I just did that? <laughs> that actually doesn't sound quite as harrowing as this <laughs> recipe does. I mean I did I have also been to the Wizarding World and the and the thing I had was the butterbeer ice cream, which was delicious. Oh, okay. I will say. That I didn't was have excellent. That. Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed out. I, I made Now the you wrong have decisions. to go again. <laughs> I do. I'm going to fly back to LA <laughs> just so I can go to a Wizarding World. Or was it the other one's Florida? Nah, maybe not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I can see this. Maybe this is like the way you power through the entire series all over again is that mm. you drink this and you're all sugar high and you just take out your stack and you get through it. Because maybe you're not going to sleep because of the sugar plus the espresso. <laughs> espresso optional, by the way. So maybe right. not. But I might uh, I might give this a try. If I do, I'll report back. But I can't make a promise because I'm the same. I don't think I could process this the way I might have a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you want to go next? I want to talk about, gosh, there's so much of this I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Octavia Butler opera. That's what I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they have made an opera. It started as a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, Artist and performer Toshi Reagan um, put it up on Kickstarter, and they have done a musical adaptation of Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower, which has premiered, is premiering in New York City. I know somebody who's going to go, and I cannot... (gasps) Wait to hear back. I'm so curious. Um, It's part of the NYC Public Theater's Under the Radar Festival. And 
I do believe that it includes both elements from Parable of the Sower and the second book, Parable of the Talents. Um, And I am so curious because I have never seen an opera or listen to one for that matter. But ever since I read Alexander Chi's book, Queen of the Night, I kind of have wanted to. um, But, you know, I just have not gotten around to it. And if I if I lived in New York, I would be I would have my tickets already like this. And I'm not that far. It's very tempting, but it only runs from the 8th to the 15th. Oh, yeah. So it's going on right now. It ends very soon. Um, I just like by the time this show airs, actually, it'll be it'll be done. Yeah. Uh, so you're, the window is so small. Um, and But I'm just so curious because, you know, to me, opera is like you know, like very old fashioned and for them to have made like a futurist, like an Afro futurist Octavia Butler opera, it just kind of blows my mind. I agree. And I mean, I have seen, of course, the one opera I've seen, it was when I was a kid and it was based on Cinderella because obviously I'm into fairy tales. I think it was just called, it was called Cinder or something like that, but it was a Spanish opera. So I did not understand any of the words they had like the uh, translation in mm-hmm. uh, I think they had it like on some sort of sign. Yeah, it was like a digitized translation so you could oh. read it. But it was interesting. But the thing I think about when I think about opera, I just think about, you know, power, like a powerful voice and a powerful story. So I feel like this could totally translate. Like when I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was a really great idea. And it does say that the um, the show's music includes elements of genres like blues, EDM, and gospel. So it's definitely not going to be your traditional, like, you know, woman belting out old-timey sounding music. <laughs> arias. <laughs> yeah, like arias, arias. Yeah, right, right. In the middle of the floor. I think that it's going to be... This is all speculation. I think it's going to be very different. And I'm really interested to see or to hear about what your friend thought of the performance. And mm-hmm. ha- do you know if your friend has ever seen opera before? Um, He has – I don't know if That's he's actually educated. Know. I think he's reviewed or like has, is educated in musical theater mm-hmm. specifically. Because we also got into like a very lengthy discussion of all the adaptations of Lemiz when we were talking. Oh my goodness! Last. So, so yeah, it's actually one of the book ride insiders. So I, I'm assuming he will. He's seeing it this weekend. He will report back. I will. I will report back on his report back. Good, good. I have yeah, to he's, know. I'm he so is, jealous. I know. Me too. Me too. So yeah. jealous. So, um, oh, one thing, like, if you don't know the story of Parable of the Sower, when I was talking about a powerful story, and this article calls it, like, a timely uh, opera, and I agree completely. So, it's a science fiction book that's set in the year 2020. This is an Octavia Butler story. And everything has gone to you-know-what because of climate change and wealth inequality, and yeah, so that's why I think that it's super timely and I hope that a lot of people see it and I can't wait to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Good job, people. Yes, A+. plus. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what I want to talk about because I have mixed feelings about it Ooh. is the Robin Hood adaptation. 
adaptation. <laughs> the gritty Robin Hood adaptation. Tell me your mixed feelings. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, basically, what this is, is it's another adaptation of Robin Hood. And it says here that the one-line synopsis um, in IMDb is a gritty take on the classic Robin Hood story. And it's funny because when I saw Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves as a kid, that's the one with uh, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. I thought that was gritty <laughs> because <laughs> I existed as like a ball of fluff, apparently. <laughs> and I just don't know, like, because you do hear that word all the time. And I don't even know what it means anymore. And I don't know what they're trying to say. Like, I almost needed to hear something more. And then when I read on and they did describe a little bit more about it, I was like, like, one of the things that they say is that um, they're upgrading, for instance, the standard bows and arrows to something approaching a Middle Ages version of a semi-automatic weapon. (laughs) And in my head, I was like, oh, no, this smells pretty cheesy. (laughs) But I don't know. What do you think? Are you are you a Robin Hood fan? Are you? I am. And I also was drawn in by the fact that this is written by the guy who wrote the um, King Arthur Legend of the Sword Guy Ritchie movie, which nobody liked but me. Oh, <laughs> no. I really, I really enjoyed it. Oh, it wow. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. It had problems in both terms of like female representation and just pacing. Like it had pacing problems, but it was so much fun fun to watch and it had several characters of color none of whom died most of whom had names which is the last thing you would expect from a king arthur legend of the sword movie right like that's not that's not what you go in expecting um like supporting characters who were of color who didn't die like shocking um and so my hope is and so that they we should talk about the casting oh, Taryn yeah. Egerton who is like the guy from Kingsman um is Robin and Jamie Foxx is going to be Little Brown which is a super interesting like head scratcher of a casting choice i'm so curious how that's going to play out um and so I don't know. I I was talking to somebody else about this and I was like, listen, I I grew up on Robin Hood and King Arthur stuff and I have watched every adaptation that I can get my hands on. And most of them are, in fact, terrible. <laughs> but I will watch because I keep hoping that one day, like, somebody will get it right in a really interesting way. And so I, I mean, will I see it in the theater? It depends on how, how the previews look, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, like, what else I might want to see that month because I don't go to the movies that often. But... I am I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm super curious. Um I think it's yeah, I think it's really it's an interesting cast also. I, I mean aside from those main two. Um who's the the Nottingham character is the guy from um Oh yeah, um, from from Rogue from, One. from Rogue One. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. There we go. Um so he's the sheriff of Nottingham. Like this is an interesting cast. It's an interesting cast. It'll probably be terrible in terms of female representation. Eve Hewson, who is also 
Bono's daughter is going to be Maid Marian. I don't know. Like, we'll see how that goes. I have no idea. Uh, So my prediction is that there will be one woman in the whole movie, because of course. Um, (laughs) But that hopefully it will have some good action sequences. Hopefully it will have more characters of color than just Jamie Foxx, but at least there's Jamie Foxx in there. Um, And yeah, I don't know. It could just be fun. Like it just could be like a King Arthur, or excuse me, a Robin Hood action movie, which I'm kind of here for. You know, I'm going to probably watch this like when it comes out on Netflix or something because Mm -hmm. I do love a good Robin Hood story as well. And I am also of the camp that like Robin Hood Men in Tights was an amazing movie. It was. I agree. I agree. And also the, you know, the 1970s Disney animated (laughs) film Robin Hood, which I still own the DVD for. Like I own the Disney one. The Disney one. Yeah. I love that. I have like 15. DVD is still surviving, and that is one of them, and I watch it, like, on the regular. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, so, I mean, and there's a different director. Um, it's Otto Bathurst, Bathurst? I don't know, um, who directed the first episode of Black Mirror, which was really disturbing. So mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong about the grittiness. Like, if somebody – if I mean, anybody who directed any of those Black Mirror episodes, I feel like they definitely have a handle on gritty and dark. And so, yeah, I get, I can't wait to be proven wrong about mm. that is basically <laughs> what I'm saying. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> what are you looking at? All right, let's see. Let's do, we have time for one more. Well, okay. this is kind of related to what we were just talking about, so might as well. Um, Ridley Scott is mm-hmm. in talks to direct a Merlin origin story for Disney. What? Like, I am also, I'm, again, here for all of your King Arthur slash Merlin adaptations. Um, it's, and, and Ridley Scott is a is not the director I thought, like, of when I, when I think mm-hmm. of Merlin. Let's just be real. Um, But I am a fan of some of his work. And this is based on the T.A. Barron books, specifically the Merlin saga, which I have been meaning to read for multiple decades at this point. Like since I was a teenager, I've been meaning to read these books. and I never have. So this is a really good kick in the pants for me to like finally get around to them. Now, it's Disney, Mm -hmm. so it's not likely to be super subversive or, you know, sort of surprising, I don't think. Um, But then again, Ridley Scott, like, I don't know. I'm so curious to see what this looks like. And it also says in this story that they are working on a live-action sword in the stone, which Ridley Scott has met with executives about. So, like, I'm so curious to see where this goes. So curious. Me too. I mean, I only know snippets of, you know, the Merlin stories because I have never read, I've never sat down and read like the full saga either. So I am kind of excited to see how it's adapted because I don't know if I'm ever going to sit down and read the whole saga. So I kind of want to get a really good adaptation which probably sounds sacrilegious but um (laughs) and I do like Ridley Scott as well sometimes like sometimes I think he gets carried away oh yeah um but like I love legend which is which sort of has some of that feel like it it's very much like a old school fantasy movie 
and I could see like maybe he would be good at adapting a Merlin story. He does have a very imaginative mind and I think he could take it to interesting places and I wonder if Disney would give him a little bit more leeway since he is such a veteran in the film yeah. scene. So I had forgotten about legend for him. It's it, you know, I associate him most strongly with um Alien the Alien franchise. Yeah. For obvious reasons, which I love. I'm also a huge fan of the Alien. So like when you try to put that side by side with a Disney Merlin, it doesn't yeah. really match up all that well. I see. But, yeah. So but I am very interested in seeing what happens. Like I'm very I'm so curious. So I mean and it's still in talks. Like it might not happen. There's a million reasons why this could come to nothing. But I am here here for it if it does i think i actually am too i can strongly say that i think i'm gonna i can strongly say i think i'm going to watch it <laughs> i can strongly say i am going to watch this there you go <laughs> okay should we um we're gonna move on and before we do before we give you our recommendations for small press books I'm going to talk about our second sponsor, which is The Night Market by Jonathan Moore. So The Night Market is a a mind-bending, masterfully plotted novel that'll captivate fans of Blake Crouch, China Mieville, and Lauren Bukes. The Night Market follows Inspector Ross Carver as he works to untangle a web of conspiracy that spans the entire nation. This near-future thriller from an author who consistently gives us suspense that never stops, that's a James Patterson quote, uh, will make you most your most paranoid fantasy seems like seem like child's play. And I think that if this book is anything like Broken Monsters by Lauren Bukes, which it sort of sounds like it is, then I'm already disturbed and terrified <laughs> because that book was on another level of creepy. <laughs> so this book has also received, or his writing has actually received acclaim from authors like Stephen King and Lee Child and Justin Cronin. They all praised his previous book, The Poison Artist. Uh, so if that sounds like something you like, something that's a little genre bending and a little creepy and has sort of a mystery element in it as well, which sounds excellent, then you should check out The Night Market by Jonathan Moore. Thank you for sponsoring the show. So we are talking yes. about small press books, and I actually had to read one for this. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me think to myself, you know what? I need to read more small press books, so I'm glad that that we're we're doing this theme. Um, so yeah, mission I... accomplished. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, why helpful. don't you go ahead? Okay. So my first pick is a science fiction pick, and because this is a bit of a cruel pick, in that it does not come out for a while, I decided to also. I just want to recommend a book that is already out. First of all. And I talked about it before. It's Falling in Love with Hominids by Nalo Hopkinson. And this is the collection of short stories. This one's published by Tachyon Publications. I never know if I'm pronouncing that right, probably because I've never said it aloud. Um, and that's a genre-centric small press. So if you go to their site, you can find plenty of science fiction and fantasy and Falling in Love with Hominids is that collection of 18 stories. It includes stories about feral children in a dystopia. 
and another really creepy kid story. And then there's a story about an alien hiding among us that really freaked me out. And it's a mix of science fiction and fantasy for this collection. So you get both in one book. And you know what I think about Hopkinson. She has an amazing voice and she just writes these incredible stories and she can dip into both science fiction and fantasy so easily so easily um but my actual recommendation is a book that comes out in may of this year and i read it really early and i just could not i couldn't stop myself from recommending it enough um so this is mem m-e-m by bethany c morrow and it'll be out from unnamed press on may 22nd and this is an own voices book which is something that's really hard for me to find in science fiction so I wanted to let everybody know that because I know a lot of you are probably looking for more diverse books this year, including myself, and the main character is black, as is the author. Um, so yeah, that was, first of all, a great pick for me. And the story is set in an alternate 1920s where humans have discovered a way to extract memories. So this procedure is available to those who can afford it, like many of these you know, crazy, weird procedures you get in, I don't know, I feel like even today. So its original purpose is to extract traumatic memories, but the weird and disturbing part of this whole thing is that the memory is extracted as a human being. So the memory is a twin to the person it was extracted from. And the creations who aren't considered human are called mems. And the story follows a mem who's named Dolores Extract Number One. And she has this ability, unlike all other mems, she can create her own memories. And so meanwhile, the other mems are held in this sort of prison or asylum called the vault. And they're wandering around, trapped in their own heads, replaying the same horrible memory over and over again. And because of Dolores' abilities, she's given sort of a taste of the real world. But a decision is eventually made that – it's not eventually made. Actually, this is like the first page of the book. So a decision is made that forces her to take a really critical look at what it means to have your memories extracted and how trauma and grief affect us long term. And also to consider what being a mem means for her future and how she'll fit into a world that basically sees her as creepy or as an entertainment. And I just couldn't put this book down. I read it in a few hours, um, and which is unusual for me. And my copy is 175 pages, which is not very long. But the writing is also very spare in the best of ways. It's a it's a, like a little book that packs a really big punch. And it's one that left me really engrossed in my own thoughts about what it means to grieve and how others can use trauma to control us and also how tragedies, like both large and small, shape us. And the book is told in first person, which I found really effective because it really does feel like you're putting the pieces together with Dolores. First of all, just learning through her past experiences what exactly is happening and what these mems are. Like, you know the general idea that they are memories, but what exactly is going on and how is it that Dolores became so different? How did she come about her own memories? And it also just illustrates how sentient she is when you're reading from her own mind. And, 
yeah, I loved this book so much, and I hope that everybody reads it. And yeah, that was Mem by Bethany C. Morrow. Gonna have to get my hands on that one. Yes, I think you'd love it. I think I would too. Uh, all right, let's see. So for science fiction picks, I I am um, I'm gonna remind everyone about un- an unkindness of ghosts uh, by River Solomon, which I have told you about before. Um, I just want to mention it again in case you've forgotten because it is a small press pick. Uh, it's published by Akashic Books, and it takes place on a generation starship, and it deals with racism and slavery in particular as well as like what it means to be a person who is very different even from your own community um i loved it so you should remind yourselves to get that one uh my other so my actual sci-fi pick is elysium by jennifer marie Brissett, which was published by aqueduct press which is a super tiny sci-fi fantasy press that always has just like stunningly good stuff um I don't always love their covers, but the the insides of the books are stunningly good. And this is one of the most mind-bogglingly strange books I've read. And I mean that. Like, this was even weirder than some of China Mievel's stuff. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's I'm saying, saying a lot. <laughs> I know. I'm saying. Um, and it's by a woman of color, which I always love. So it is just, it's a book you need to pick up. It's really hard to describe. So it, there, this starts off in a future in which there's a computer program that exists in the atmosphere. But the program's data has been corrupted. Um, And so it is glitching. And then you're also following two people who live in a very, like, apocalyptic future. Um, And... The thing that's hard to talk about this book is that you're you end up following these characters in almost like different reincarnations. And so every time you hit a new version, the world around them has changed, who they are potentially like gender, age has changed, but their relationship to each other is always one of love, whether it's like family or romantic or whatever. Um and in, and so the book kind of, you know, you kind of learn to read the book as it goes along. And there's aliens and there's technology and there's, you know, these really thoughtful potential futures. And it's like a very meta book because of this computer program angle. So it 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 requires some focus and it's not like the most, you know, easy read but I I couldn't stop thinking about it when I was done I like went around trying to figure out who else might read it because <laughs> it's a project but like it's so worth it um and Jennifer Marie Brissett's writing is so impressive given how high concept this novel is like when you have a super high concept sci-fi or fantasy novel you don't always deliver on your characters, and she delivers. She really does. So if you are a fan of sort of those, like, mind-bogglingly strange, like, Jeff Vandermeer, China Mieville, like, what is going on? How? What? Like, what? If that's a reading experience you enjoy, I cannot recommend Elysium highly enough. It is such an eye-opening, fascinating read. 
So yeah, that's Elysium by Jennifer Marie Brissett, uh, published by Aqueduct Press. And it's been out for a while. It was published in 2014. So you should hopefully be able to get a copy. Maybe that'll be my next small press book I read. We'll see if I if I can understand it. <laughs> okay, so my pick for fantasy is the book that I had to read for this one because I realized I read way more science fiction than fantasy when it comes to small press, even though that's still small pickings. But my pick was In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. And this is from Big Mouth House, which is a small beer press imprint. And I have to say, I've been reading a lot of books lately where the main character is not very likable, <laughs> which is fine. Like, I I do enjoy that. I don't, I don't always want a hero that is a traditional hero. But I noticed this after I put, I put this book down, and then I had just finished reading The Cruel Prince by Holly Black, which was, which also has a not very nice main character, and also Forest of a Thousand Lanterns by Julie C. <laughs> down before that. And I was like, what's going on? Is it me? Like, why am I attracted to these? Why am I magnetizing these books? But I loved them all, and I love this book. Um, so In Other Lands is a sort of Harry Potter story, but if Hogwarts was a really miserable, uncomfortable place and none of the students had magical abilities, which doesn't sound fun so far, but you have to bear with me. So the story follows Elliot, who is 13 years old at the start of the book. And Elliot has a lot, a lot of issues. He has a really bad home life. He gets picked on at school. And the way he responds to almost any situation whether it's aggressive or casual, is to be really sarcastic and cutting. Um, so he's super smart, but he's also super, super bristly. If you've ever watched the show House, that's kind of what Elliot is like. He's like a young Dr. Gregory House. Uh, but Elliot gets accepted to this school in what's called the Borderlands, which is a place where magic exists and things like cell phones cannot. So you bring a cell phone in and it blows up. And there are <laughs> unicorns and harpies and mermaids. And there's also the border guards who are not magical, but who live in this magical world that exists and is inaccessible to most humans beside our own non-magical world. So it's there's this gate and you can either pass through it or you cannot if you are a human living in our reality. So at school, Elliot becomes friends with this elf named Serene Heart in the Chaos of Battle. <laughs> Who, yeah, that's a pretty hilarious name. She thinks all men are defenseless and should be protected by the women who are better equipped to go to battle and do all the dangerous action-packed stuff, which was pretty cool. But also, she gets a little bit, um, you know, she toes the line with it to insulting. Um, and then he becomes friends with a boy named Luke Sunborn, who comes from a long line of Sunborns, all of whom are viewed as heroes in that tropey fairy tale sense. So think thick blonde mane and glittering teeth, that sort of person. And of course, that gets irritating to Elliot. And the story follows Elliot from age 13 to age 17. And as a matter of fact, that's how the book is broken up. So this is the strange thing that I only noticed like halfway through the book. There are no chapters. 
There are no chapters in this book. It's just broken up by his age in chunks. So it made me feel, though, like I was growing up with these characters. Because, for instance, in the Harry Potter books, like, each book is a school year, basically. So you have to wait to sort of grow up with the characters and the stories. But this is just all in one book. Uh, which was very satisfying to me. I don't often read things that are standalone books in fantasy. So uh, you especially follow Elliot's development as a person, since the story focuses on him, and all sorts of surprising things happen. And even though I was like, why are you making these choices? Why are you being so <laughs> insensitive? Why are you such a jerk? I had to keep going to, just to find out how these big events in his life would shape him, and they absolutely do. So it's not like he is this way throughout the whole book, but um, I make no promises about how much his development changes. But there are encounters with magical creatures, and there are wars and skirmishes, there's love and heartbreak, and there are definitely sexy times in this book if you're thinking of giving this, I don't know, to the young person in your life. But it's all foreplay and then fade to black level sexy times. Uh, but there's also LGBTQ representation on the page, which is always a plus. And it was just a fun story. I picked up the book because I really liked Carry On by Rainbow Rowell which is another book that turns the Harry Potter trope on its head. And I was kind of looking for something similar. So I think if you like Carry On and you can handle a really aggressive, angry main character, you'll also like In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. I've been seeing that one everywhere. It's got a great cover. I think that's... It does. Everybody wants to show off that cover, including me. <laughs> it's mermaids. <laughs> nice. I am going to shout out Small Beer Press as well. They are the publisher of Sophia Samatar, who is just one of my all-time favorite voices working in fantasy today. She has a two-book series, um, the Olandria books, which start with A Stranger in Olandria. And then uh, is I think there's only two. I don't know if there's going to be a third, but... They are definitely sort of related. Um, and the second one is The Winged Histories. And then her collection, Tender, uh, which is a short story collection, I do believe I have talked about on this show before. So, so good. Um, she's just wonderful. But my my full uh, fantasy pick is Gin City by Saad Hussein, uh, also published by Unnamed Press. They are doing a bang-up job. They are. Uh, I, we, I was like, oh, should we pick the same one twice? But well, I mean, you know, it's fine. Um, I agree. Because I really wanted to talk about this book. So this is a gin slash genie story um, that takes place in modern Bangladesh. It is starts off with this kid who is in... Um, sort of an offshoot of this very prominent family. He and his father live in this crumbling mansion. His mother is dead um, and his father is like an abusive alcoholic and he doesn't go to school and he's like learning things from, you know, the butler that they kind of still have, but he's not fed very regularly. Like he is just sort of, you know, lost, like raised by wolves, lost to the world. Um, and then he finds out that his mother, his dead mother, was a, a jinn. And his father is actually like a magician and an emissary to the jinn world. 
And then his father falls into a coma and his family is like, what are we going to do? And Indelbed gets kidnapped and imprisoned in this like subterranean situation with another djinn who appears to be like completely off his rocker, um, <laughs> but knows magic and can teach Indelbed some things. So, okay. So Indelbed is kidnapped and is like, uh, like off in his prison trying to figure out how he's going to survive that. And then his older cousin, Rice, who hopefully I said his name correctly, um, is like, can't quite let go of the fact that his little cousin disappeared and starts looking into this, you know, gin world. And then there's all these politics and there's like lawsuits. Like it turns out genies are super litigious. Um, <laughs> and there's a, it also turns out that there's like a huge battle in the past that is actually affecting what's going on in the future. And the whole world is potentially at stake. And it is a really rompy, fun, awesome modern twist on what you think you know about the genie story. It's just really unexpected. There's a lot of twists and turns. The characters are from, like super entertaining. The plot moves in really bizarre and fun directions. And I just, I did really, it, like romp is exactly the word I want. It was really rompy fun um, and really smart. My one note about this book is that it is a bit of a boys club in terms of the cast. There are a ton, a ton of characters who have names and like backstory and you learn more about them lots of supporting characters and only three of them are women which I found a little frustrating I mean they are great like the female characters are great but there's just like a profound like almost every gin you meet is male um, and most of the main like movers and shakers of the book are male so that's not to say that it's bad it's just if you're looking for like a lot of awesome female characters this book does not so much deliver on that but um, otherwise I just I did enjoy it so much it's it's huge fun. Um, and I have this theory. This is the book that made me sit down and start thinking about how many genie slash gin stories we're getting right now. Like, yes. like there are a bunch and I am here for it. Like I, I, you guys know that, um, that Jin Falls in Love and Other Stories is one of my favorite collections of the past year. Like, I am here for all of these. I'm so here for it. So, again, if that sounds like something you are also here for, you should definitely pick up Jin City by Saad Hussein. We should have had, like, a Jin theme now that I think of it. But... We can still do it. We, there's plenty. We can still do it. We totally should. We'll put it on I'm, the list. I'm putting it on the list right now. Awesome. So that's it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, as always, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com if you want to ask us any questions or suggest themes or just let us know what you think about the show. And of course, if you would be so kind, you can also review us on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us. It really helps. And we also like to see what you think. Um, and you can also find me online at Instagram, and I'm at S Zainab Williams. That's S Z A I N A B Williams. How about you, Jen? I am on Tumblr mostly these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, and that is Jen with two N's. And that's it for our show. Thanks so much for listening. Happy reading. Happy reading.